0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. When the Spirit is moving, you can't stop them. Um, We're not faking around here. We are grateful that we serve a mighty God. I was thinking, brothers and sisters, the past couple days, um, it's been a season of, of grief for many of us, for loss, radical adjustments and transitions. Um, I look around this room and I know many of y'all stories that y'all share with me. And I, I just wanna I just wanna put this out. This this has nothing to do with the sermon, but if if God happened to put somebody on your heart, on your mind, randomly, reach out to that person. If you got their number, the email, hey brother so-and-so, hey sister so-and-so, I was just thinking about you. I didn't want anything, I was just thinking about you. You'll be amazed how many times in the way God uses our presence, our words, our encouragement to extend his comforting hand to someone just by a simple text, a simple email, a phone call, maybe a visit. So I just want to leave us with that. I, I know we got our own stuff that we deal with, but maybe it's a lighter day for you. You got a sense of relief and God is putting somebody else on your heart. Reach out to their brother, their sister. I promise you, it's never a wasted text. It's never a wasted phone call because we all need it. Some of us going through seasons of grief, a storm. Some of us coming out of an intense season of grief or a storm and life, some of us probably headed into a season of grief or a storm, but we're not alone. We're not forsaken. Welcome to downtown church. <laughs> I want to read God's word. It's, it's in a very, a very important selection of scripture that really sets the tone for the whole entire Bible, both old and new. This is God's word from Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it, you shall not do any work or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that's your neighbor's. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your living and active inspired word. It is your word that revives our soul, that corrects us, that trains us in righteousness, that allows us to see your divine heart, your will for our lives. And I pray, God, you will speak to us, that we will come humble servants, ready to respond accordingly, because you are so kind and gracious and loving towards us because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So transform us with your word. May we not leave this place the same, and may we be doers of your word and not just hearers of your word. And we pray this in Christ's name and all God's people say it together. Amen. Amen. Just a question, a simple question I want to pose to you, brothers and sisters, if you allow me. What makes a healthy relationship or friendship? We all have our own idea of what a healthy friendship or a healthy relationship looks like. It all depends on your own expectations because expectations really matter. I mean, we, we all have our own expectations of what we desire in a relationship. Sometimes we, we have this list, whether that's a physical list that you've written down or you got in your phone, or it's probably just a mental list that you keep in your mind or you start in your heart. And you dwell, you think about what that person looks like, the personality traits of this person. Maybe it's shared hobbies or, or interests that would, that would create that bond even more stronger. But the thing about having expectations is not bad within itself. I think expectations can be good. It creates a sense of boundaries for you. But I do believe sometimes we are unrealistic when it comes to our expectations of other people. After all, we have our own personal expectations of ourselves that we don't measure up to. But did you know that God has a list? He has specific expectations of the people that he desire to be in a relationship with. And if I was to sum up those expectations in one word, wait for it, perfection. How does that make you feel? I can hear y'all now, man, pastor, you know I ain't perfect. Nobody's perfect. And I agree. The Bible, in facts agree that nobody's perfect. But that doesn't excuse the fact or the reality that God desires perfection. If you're not perfect, he isn't pursuing a relationship with you. He isn't committing himself to you. I'm going to back that up because that sounds controversial. But there is good news that, that this perfect God will make a way to be in relationship with an imperfect people. And that's what I want us to, to, to walk away with. And the main idea of this morning is that God's exclusive love for his people radically changes how we love him and others. I I titled this this sermon, Jealous Love That Changes Everything. And we're going to see God is a, a jealous God. And he protects his special and exclusive relationship with his people. And in this special exclusive relationship, it changes everything. It changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you see God, and it definitely changes the way you see and interact with other people. And just to kind of refresh our memory, brothers and sisters, we have been walking through the book of Exodus. And just most recently, we see that the people of God are are wandering in the wilderness. God has delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And now he's taking them out to a place, a promised place that they will thrive and flourish in context and relationship with him and one another. But God, as I said last week in Exodus 19, God has prepared himself to meet this people. He, he's drawing near to these people. And He's defining the relationship. And here in Exodus chapter 20, He goes a little deeper in his expectations. And in other words, the terms of this relationship. And brothers and sisters, we don't define the terms of our relationship with God. He defines the terms. And I want us to see three very important guiding, if you will, expectations of this relationship. The first expectation we see of God is that God expects us to remember the foundation of his love for us. In verses one and two, we see God made it clear to remind us how this relationship really kicked off, really got started. Verse two, the Lord says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And we was just to kind of glean on that verse, just to look closer. And we see God is allowing himself to be known in a very intimate way. How do we see that? He says, I am the Lord, your God. In other words, God is reintroducing himself with his personal name to his people. But not only that, Cam, he reminds us of how the relationship got started. He said, don't forget, I brought you out of slavery. We know the context, brothers and sisters, if we read that the Israelites were underneath the oppressive hand of Pharaoh for hundreds of years. They were helpless and hopeless. And they cried out to God and God heard their groans. He heard their prayers and he did something about it. And that's the beautiful part about our relationship with God is that he meets us in our worst place when we didn't have anything to offer him. Does anybody have a testimony like that? When you were helpless, hopeless, oppressed, maybe that was by addictions, maybe you were in an abusive relationship, Maybe there was oppressive systems. You said, man, I can't do this by myself anymore. And God entered in. He found you at your lowest point, at your worst point. He said, you're mine. In our culture today, I hear this unhealthy Ideology, if you will, when it comes to relationships. Oh, man, I got to be in a relationship. It's, it's 50-50. You know, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. You know, you got to meet me where I'm at. It's, 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 it's give and take. What if God's relationship was like that for us? Will any of us have a chance? Because reality, we have nothing to offer God, but just our unrighteousness, our sin, our failures, and our shortcomings. And brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to beat y'all up, but that's the truth of our relationship. It wasn't 50-50. It wasn't 80-20. It wasn't even 99, and we get a 1%. It was all God. It was all grace. It was nothing that we did to earn his favor. And it's interesting that God reminds the Israelites of his grace. You say, where is grace found in the Old Testament? It's only judgment. It's only law. It's only rigidness. No, brothers and sisters, love, grace. It's always there from the beginning to the end. But it's beautiful that God he's reminding them that this foundation, this relationship was built on grace before he even gave them the law. In other words, keep this law. Obey my rules. As Brother Josh said, obey my rules in light of my love for you. It's in the context of grace that we didn't earn God's favor. We didn't earn God's love, but God chose to love us because he wanted to. The second expectation we see that God has for this relationship is that God expects us to have a primary and unshared love with him. And we see this in the first half of the Ten Commandments, right? It it, it focuses on our vertical relationship, if you will. What I mean, vertical relationship between us and God. That's what the first half of the Ten Commandments focuses on. But look at verse 5. God says, you shall not bow down to them, other false gods, or serve them for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. And you think about jealousy, we've all been guilty of being jealous of someone else's achievements, things that they have. And you compare yourself for your situation and that that, that, that fire, that, 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 that jealousy, that envy began to, to burn in your heart. That's not the jealousy that God is talking about. Because in reality, who can God really be jealous of? I mean, he has all things. He is all things. But this jealousy, it's a holy commitment and zeal for his honor, his glory, and his love. So, so, in other words, God's saying, if I'm going to give you my best and believe I'm jealous when it comes to my best, there, 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 there aren't any rivals, there aren't any seconds uh, to me. If I'm giving you your be- my best, I expect you to give me your best. Don't share my love with anybody else. Don't give your heart to anybody else. Let me be your primary devotion, your primary love, your primary safe space. Because that's, brothers and sisters, we align ourselves with God's way of life. That's when we thrive the most. That's when we're more fruitful. That's when we're more fulfilled. I ain't saying this without his challenges. I'm not saying this without suffering. But God orients this way of life. So that we can find our hearts rooted and grounded in our relationship with Him primarily. Think about this language here in Exodus chapter 20. God says, There should be no other gods before me. And then he, he says, Don't make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything in heaven or above, anything on the land or anything in the sea. And, and in this time. They were carving these these idols. And these idols were these objects that they had this picture in their mind what this God should look like. And they would make these things. They would would give their, their best resources, silver and gold and the best wood and all these kinds of things to craft this idol. And they would give their hearts to this idol. They would pray prayers to this idol. They would worship this idol. They would look to this idol for direction. They will look to this idol for blessing. They will look to this idol for prosperity. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, I I ain't never carved an image before and worshiped it. But we think about more so in the West because there are other places in the world, and sometimes there's places here in the United States that people are still carving idols and worshiping idols. But let me just pull up a little bit more to your driveway here in Memphis, if you will. In 2023, we might not be carving idols and worshiping those things, but there are other created things that we give ourselves to, right? Think about about how some of us, we worship our our bodies. We, 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 We give so much attention to it what people may or may not think of how we look physically. And if we don't feel good, we feel like we are less valuable. But when we do feel good about ourselves, as if that increase our value, and that's far from the truth. Think about the, the, the life we live in now with, with, with social media. Social media can be such a blessing, and it has been in so many ways. But on the other end, it creates this catalog, if you will, of what you don't have, how you're not vacationing, what your relationship look like, what your kids look like, what your job look like. And we do this comparison with other people. And we, and we realize that, man, we've given, we've given these things too much of our devotion. Whether you are a parent, whether you're a professional, whether you're a grandma, grandpa, whatever title that you carry, even a good thing can be worship. And we look to these things, we look to these places, we look to these people to give us only what God can give us. And what God is saying, I don't want to be second. You can have the most beautiful family. You can have the most beautiful career. God said, I'm not going to be second to your career. I'm going to be first. Don't make any, don't have any gods before me. Because brothers and sisters, time will tell when God removes that thing from you, and then you'll be questioning, who am I without filling a blank? And God said, You're still my son, you're still my daughter. God is serious about idolatry, and He wants us to be His first primary love. And lastly, brothers and sisters, the third expectation we see is that God expects us to show off his love to other people. We see that on the second half of the commandments, verses 12 through 17. So the relationship with God is not just vertical, just him. Jesus Jesus said it in the the New Testament when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? If you take this, this Bible and everything God has instructed us to do, somebody asked him, Jesus, what's the most important thing? And He summed it up. Everything that God has taught in this Bible, he said, is summed up into loving your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. Jesus is teaching the vertical. But then he said the second is like it. To do what, church? To love your neighbor neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? I'm glad you asked. Your neighbor is not that person that live on a cul-de-sac with you that sometimes come over and y'all uh, share a beverage, if you will, and uh, have a cookout, you, you know, y'all, y'all uh, play together with y'all kids, or y'all go out and y'all uh, have a good time. That's not just your neighbor. Your neighbor is any person who's in close proximity that you can share the love of God with. Christian, your neighbor is not just other Christians who think like you, who, who, who spin like you, who, who vote like you, who leisure like you, who... Filling a blank like you, your neighbor, is even those who don't believe the same things that you believe. You see, God is giving these laws to his people, right? In a context with nations who didn't believe in God. But God is creating a way of life for flourishing, not just for the people of God, but even the people who don't know God. He's calling us to be a blessing. He's calling us to be salt and light and to the world. I would say he, he expect us to show our love to fellow image bearers. After all, he created all people, even the people who have a disdain in their heart who don't believe in him. He's saying, don't commit adultery with that person's wife. All the people who probably live in lavish lives and not necessarily giving credit to the Lord that every good and perfect thing comes from the heavens above. Yes, don't covet after that person. In other words, God is saying, I made them. And so in order for my love to be displayed to this particular person who may not know him in an intimate way as you do, love them. Don't take from them don't abuse them don't oppress them honor them if y'all still tracking with me and brothers and sisters you think about these commandments the lord is creating boundaries he's creating rules in order for people to experience real justice in order for communities to experience real peace peace that that overflows from the heart of God. And as we round out, we think about this beautiful relationship, this exclusive relationship that God has given us very clear expectations and terms in order for us to live a life that's pleasing to him, but it's also a blessing to others. There was this phrase that was very popular amongst uh, social media, or even in real life, y'all remember the hashtag relationship goals, right? Okay, maybe. I, okay, okay, cool. I ain't trying to reach, you know, pull, but maybe, maybe I did remember. Um, but relationship goals, Adriana, she nodded her head. She, she with me. But you will see somebody, maybe a couple that you didn't know, and you know they got matching outfits and good, good looking couple. You know, nice date night. Picture, the food looks great. Um, the husband got this big old bou- bouquet of flowers. You know, he bringing it out. You know, I love you. I ain't hating y'all. I'm just, roll with me. Roll with me with the illustration. But, but it's projected as something to be desired. And I remember this hashtag, you know, underneath these pictures or these images or these videos, it's like relationship goals. Or those celebrities. Celebr- celebrities that we know. That we've grown up with, right? High profile. And we look at their lives, and we say, man, that's goals. But I say, and, you know, just to be more realistic, there are people that we know. Maybe somebody in your family. Maybe it's a mentor. And you look at their lives, and it's not perfect because you know them. They had their trials. They, they had their hardships. Yes, believe. Married couples, there are times we can't stand one another. You better believe, you you come to the realization, wow, being married don't fix my issues. But God's grace was sustaining them. And we look at this couple who've been married decades and say, man, that's something to be desired. But when I think about the ultimate relationship goals, I think about the relationship that the Son has with the Father. It was an eternal relationship that had no beginning. It would never have an end. The Son of God, some point throughout eternity, would have a conversation with the Father. And the Father had this rescue plan for His people that were yet created. And there would be a time in which the Son... Will be commissioned by the father. Yes, daddy, it's time. And he will enter into the womb of a virgin, Mary, to be born into a sinful world at the right time. And he will grow up and he will gain favor and wisdom before God and before man. And that this young boy will grow up into a teenager, will grow up into a young adult. And he, brothers and sisters, was tempted probably every single day to disobey and to break every one of the Ten Commandments. But he never sinned. He never sinned in deed. He never sinned in action. He never sinned in word or in thought. He was tempted. Do y'all remember in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan comes to tempt him to turn a stone into a rock to create in idle, Jesus was hungry. He was tired. He was fully man, but he didn't give in. And he will make his way throughout life, 33, four years of obedience, of service, advocacy, love, justice. But he will go to that cross. He will go to that cross, having fulfilled all the commandments. You probably thinking, well, the Ten Commandments, that was back in the day. We don't need those things. No, Jesus never said that. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the law, but he will also fulfill our righteousness on his behalf. He will fulfill all those shortcomings and those mistakes. When you think about the the Ten Commandments, all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned. None of us are perfect but thanks be to God that we have a perfect savior. We have a perfect friend. We have a perfect big brother, a mediator who will lay down his life, a good shepherd, to say, I understand you're trying your best to live this life that the Father has given you, but you can't live it within yourself. Look at my example. Not only look at my example, follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets through the Father except through me. Nobody can stand before the Father with any kind of confidence except if they were covered in his perfect righteousness. They were covered in his blood. So, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercies, in light of what all Jesus has done for you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words... What Jesus has done, has enabled us, has allowed us, is helping us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that will be a day, brothers and sisters, as Jesus got up out that grave, he ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he has the time. (laughs) That time is winding down. When we've been on this journey, been tired, we've experienced loss. And grief, the struggle of trying to live an obedient and righteous life to the Lord, the struggle of trying to love other people who are sometimes unlovable, there will be a time when he come back, he will get all his children. He will take us home. We will no longer be in the wilderness. Nothing but joy, nothing but peace in the presence of the almighty God in the presence of the lamb that was slain on our behalf. So that's my encouragement to y'all, to ask God every single day, God, give me the strength, give me the willingness, give me the joy, give me the zeal to be jealous of our relationship, to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and to love my neighbor as myself to your glory. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the good news And that is, you are a perfect God who made a way to have a relationship with the imperfect people. And you've given us order. You've given us structure to follow you, to know your heart. And God, we can't do that within ourselves, so we ask for your help. We ask that you will meet us where we are, for those timely reminders of this beautiful relationship that we have with you. And that our lives will be a testimony of your grace to the world around us. And we pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said together, amen. Can we just give God praise just one more time? Real quick. As I mentioned in the beginning of my sermon, um, I know that there has been, uh, it's, 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 it's continual, right? Uh, a season of grief, loss, right? Struggle. And some of y'all had a hard time getting out of the bed tonight, uh, this morning, right? Some of y'all had a hard time getting dressed, getting in your car and driving to church, but you showed up and I'm glad you showed up because you are encouraging me. And I hope you felt the love and encouragement from one another to lean on each other's faith Lean on each other's strength when you don't have it yourself in that particular season. So as you go, brothers and sisters, I want to send you out with a gracious gift from the Lord, His promise. So extend your hands towards towards me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever as you go. Amen.